But the trouble is, being an ERP system, being something as massive as that, big cost, massive disruption to the business and things like that, giving a bit of efficiency isn't really going to get you over that massive cost and massive amount of time required. And I think it was a good lever, but not a strong enough lever. So I think you have to kind of look at all the aspects together. So when you found that kind of the, the final really good thing to hit on, that, that, and then layer it on top of the other things... Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Whether you are pitching an initiative or getting pitched, turning down an idea is extremely uncomfortable for both parties. Although executives may be turning down the idea as they might not see how they might sell it to their boards, colleagues or teams, they don't want to reject it as it could be a lifetime opportunity for their career. While it might feel counterintuitive, the executives pay attention to every single idea in an organization. Still, most ideas get turned down as they could be perceived as overly zealous, technical transformation, not aligned with organizational vision, or just a wish list that has very little business value. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn, who brings significant expertise to discuss how to pitch digital initiatives to executives. We covered many grounds, in this episode, including the interest of executives and what they like to hear in pitches. We also discussed how to identify the control points inside an organization and how to align pitches to various stakeholders' interest. Finally, we discussed why communication, passion, and self-commitment and drive is perhaps the most critical component of a pitch and winning the confidence of the executives. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And today we have a very exciting topic, and that is going to be pitching digital initiatives. And that's going to be to your executives. This is not the fun part. We all have tons and tons of ideas. But when we pitch, they turn us down, and we don't like it. So today, we are going to figure out all these secrets, what executives care for. So without further ado, we are going to start with everybody's intros. Martin, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Martin Davis. Um, I'm managing partner for Denelm Associates, but I'm a CIO uh, multiple times in my career. Um, I'm also interim CIO in a couple of companies as well. Um, so that's kind of my brief thing, my background, a lot of it in indus- industry and manufacturing. Okay, amazing. And uh, you have seen a lot of pitches, Martin, and you have turned a lot of them down. So we are going to figure out today, okay, what were the reasons why you turned them down? So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. And uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Perfect. Ashish, would you like to introduce yourself next? Sure. Good afternoon, folks. My name is Ashish Parlekar. I'm a senior director uh, on uh, at Constellation, I'm, although I'm, I'm in transition right now, but I've done a lot of consulting and I've worked with a lot of clients and, and you know dealt with a lot of CIOs, CFOs, uh, and done transformations where the discussion has already always had begun with budget, right? I mean the discussion on business case justification and uh, how do we make compelling cases, and when we don't when we don't pitch things, certain ideas, so, you know, so it's, it's a combination of both. When, it, when there is a compelling case, and sometimes it's not so much of a compelling case. And we will talk about those as we, we get through our discussion. Good to be here. Could not agree more. I mean, we all feel that our case is compelling until we pitch. 
and then we feel that you know the case is not there probably so it's going to be so much fun discussing all of that thank you so much for being here ashish okay tom can i move to you next okay sam thanks and uh greetings to the other panelists uh, my name is tom rodden um i'm the cio at varian medical systems and i've been doing that role for the last four years so i've had a lot of people knocking on the doors trying to sell me but before my cio role um I was a consultant uh, at Deloitte & Touche uh, at Pricewaterhouse doing ERP implementations and was on the other side of the table doing a lot of selling, making a lot of pitches. And prior to that, I was actually in the uh, supply chain area, not in IT, uh, but uh, uh, trying to convince the IT guys to do things for me and having them bring people to the table <laughs> to try and sell them and me. But I was the uh, the customer of our IT guys as well as the consultants. Uh, so so I've I've sat in a couple of different chairs over the years, um, making pitches, listening to pitches, and so uh, have a few thoughts. And I'm very interested to hear what else the rest of the panel has to say. Yeah, and Tom, I think a lot of people think that you know what turning down must be fun. I want to get there, but in my experience, turning down is not fun either. It's a very uncomfortable position to be in just to turn down the ideas because you don't know which one is going to work. So thank you so much for being here, Tom. Happy to, yeah. Bonnie, can I move to you next? Hello, and I'm so glad to be here, and hello to my uh, colleagues on the panel. Um, I'm Bonnie Tinder. I'm the founder and CEO of Raven Intel. Raven Intel is a peer review site, um, and we help customers who are looking to do a digital transformation choose the best consulting partner for their project. I've spent 25 years in the uh, enterprise software tech area, certainly selling these type of transformations to customers before I started my company. And, you know, I've worked with over a thousand customers now who have either gone through a transformation within the last two years um, or looking to, uh, you know, put in a digital transformation initiative within their company. Um, so I have lots of perspective in terms of good, bad, and ugly um, on, on how these projects uh, work and either get a green light or fail to get greenlit um, for some reason. So excited to have the discussion today. You definitely talk to a lot of people, Bonnie, and uh, especially these days, you are talking to a lot of people. So I think it's going to be really interesting to discuss those stories, you know, which are the initiative that actually were passed by executives and which were not. So thank you so much for being here. All right, so we are going to dig right into the topic and we are going to be discussing about, we are actually going to think from the executive's perspective. How do they think? What do they really care for? Obviously, it is in their best interest to do these transformation as long as they are going to add value to the organization. They have different lenses the way they like to see things. It's not that their job is really to turn down really good ideas. Their job is to filter down the right ideas. So Martin, I'm actually gonna start with you. So let's say if I were to ask you, okay, how do executives think? How to connect with them? So let's say if I'm the IT manager and I obviously am very passionate in my organization, I care for my company and I have so many different ideas and I feel that my executives don't listen to me. Okay, so tell me, <laughs> how can I make them listen to me? Well, I think the first and the most common mistake, and funny enough, I saw pitch from one of my, mem my team members pretty recently, the last couple of days. And the mistake most IT people make is they're so excited about a piece of technology and about the technical side. Yeah, we can bring this in. It'll be really good yeah, and everything else. What they miss is the fact that most executives don't understand technology, have no wish to understand technology. Yeah, I know there are exceptions out there, but a lot of the time. And you need to look at the business aspects. What's it going to do for the business? Is it going to improve you know, the bottom line of the business? Is it going to increase revenue? Is it going to improve profits, you know, improve efficiency, reduce costs? Those types of things. They're thinking in terms of the balance sheet. They're thinking in terms of the customer, the end customer outside of the business, all of these aspects. So you've got to pitch it in terms of what really resonates with them. Yeah, if you say, okay, we're going to implement this new way of contacting the customer and working with the customer that's going to elevate our sales, you've got their attention. 
if you pitch to them something that says, yeah, by doing this, we're going to uh, remove five heads from this part of the operation and make it a lot more efficient and streamlined. So, yeah, our process is going to run faster. We're going to reduce our cost. And else. you've got their attention. It's those types of things that they're, they're interested in. Yeah, you get the odd executive that uh, gets cooked on yeah, new technology and things like that. And sometimes you have to actually flip that around on them and look at, yeah, they come to you with a, yeah, the airline magazine a, a, approach, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they've seen something shiny in an air, airline magazine and they come to you. And then you have to say, well, yeah, we could do that. We've already got a yeah, CRM system or whatever it might be or an ERP or whatever. And yeah, implementing a new one isn't going to change your bottom line, isn't going to improve things. So you, you have to get into that. What does it mean to the business and how is that going to drive things forward? Okay, so I completely agree with your assessment that, you know, typically IT managers, the developer or the technical community is going to be super excited about the newer technology. And I am actually going to tell you one story related to your domain, which is going to be Industry 4.0. And I don't know if you are familiar with the group called Industry 4.0 Solutions. They are fairly large. It's very technical community, to be honest. Yep. Super passionate people. I'm, I've not seen anybody so passionate. I mean, they are like, no, no, no. Either oh, you yeah. are yeah. into Industry 4.0 or you are not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've, I've um, sat in a number of their sessions before now. Yeah, I know. I know them. Yeah. So what would be your advice in terms of translating this information? Obviously, from their perspective, they feel that, you know what? I am talking balance sheet. I am talking cash flow statement, but it's not coming across because we don't like to hear what they are telling. Their story does not make sense because from our perspective, it's not really a business case. So let's say if you were pissed or you have participated in those sessions, what were the mistakes that you, uh, you, you saw there, Martin, from your experience? I, I think what I saw was a, a passion for technology, a passion for trying to do things in a more industry 4.0 type manner, yeah, yeah. data-driven, using data to drive the enterprise and things like that, which is all the right thing to do. But you need to translate it into what does the CFO think about? What does the CEO think about? And... It, it's yeah so an industry 4.0 type of thing yeah is how do you make the operation of a plant more efficient so how do you yeah uh, ensure that your throughput is, is greater how do you ensure that your downtime is less how do you ensure that your rejects your quality is stronger all of those aspects which then translate into the balance sheet translate into satisfied customers all of those aspects and even going more than that industry 4.0 if you start thinking about it in terms of integrated with the supply chain, how does it actually satisfy customer orders quicker? How do you satisfy customers from the appropriate plant? And all of those aspects, if you take the data of the orders coming in, you take the, what you're capable of producing in different areas and you mesh all that together or mash it together, however you want to phrase it. And that then gets into you're better able to satisfy the customer in the right time and all of those aspects. So it, it's again, it's translating it into the, the way they think, the way they want to, to do things and why they have to think about the business. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Martin. And I completely agree with everything that you said. So Ashish, I'm actually going to move to you next. So sure. from your experience, obviously, the everybody sort of understand that, you know, we need to create the business case. But process of creating a business case is much harder process of creating a compelling pitch is just harder. It's, it's not easy. If it were easy, then anybody can do it. Good salespeople are very hard to find. So tell me, what is the process of translating? How you have done it? I mean, do, if you have any specific stories that you might be able to share sure. related to pitching, what were the mistakes that you made in your early days and yeah. uh, you know how you improved over the period of time? Sure, I can share, and, and this is a great topic. And I'm going to build up on what Martin said also, because user that is structure. Absolutely ag agree with everything he mentioned. But the the whole IT strategy and the vision begins with what's the business IT business goal is, right? The business strategy, what's the outcome? So yeah. you could have a situation where we are modernizing our, our business model altogether, right? Because we are getting this, we have a fear of getting disrupted or we want to open a new channel where we want to beat the competitor at their own game, right? So there, there could be certain drivers, business drivers, which will, will which will show up, right? In in and which will be our tenets, right, for driving our IT strategy. So we may flush it out to the detail level with our within our team, but that needs to be abstracted and, and brought into an executive summary so that we can uh, we can we can show what the pain points are, or are we are getting into a new 
you know, new business venture or we're opening up a new channel, this would be a disruptive technology. And I mean, disruptive business venture. And this is the supporting technology that will go hand in hand with it. So obviously there will be an IT strategy or uh, a corresponding high level architecture, which will be supporting that. But we are not sharing all that with our executives. We should have that as our back pocket because within the executives now and the boardroom also I've seen is they are also very digitally savvy, right? They also know that we need to make certain technology investments to support that. It's not gonna come out of thin air or within our existing resources. So if, depending on our state, right? I mean, it's all nuance based, right? So if you are, if you are already in the digital journey, and this is another layer of or a wave of it, it becomes an easy story because we already shown some wins. But if you're starting from a legacy world, right? I mean, where uh, we, you know, the, the functional hierarchy and the way our organization was, that's that's a that's a bigger uh, effort. We need a lot of storytelling, storyboarding, show, and if customer is our focus, external customer is our focus. Now I'm kind of expanding it to what's what's the experience for the customer, right? It's not just going to be internal it's going to be external facing also if you're going to expand the you can show the 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 details from the voice of the customer right if there are pain points there are untapped needs of the customer that we are not going to and this will be a this will be a strategic angle that we're going to tap into that could be our basis as a starting point for our it story right so what kind of modernization you know tools and technology that is that are available and safe and easy to use right, that we can adopt it could be technology. It could be tying up with another SI to to jumpstart it. So so the method might be different, right? But I would I was starting off from there, right? And then if, if there is more interest, we can expand in that. But but I, I I didn't directly answer your question. But my stories have been based on that, right? I mean there are different points at, at which I entered. Uh, I entered at the time where we started right from the beginning. So yeah. we had to do all that. I I entered where somebody was replaced right in the journey and i had to pick up from there and then you know adjust it accordingly so so it's a combination of those yeah and so what i'm going to do right now is i'm probably going to tell you a story you know just to build up on what you just said right so yeah. i have been on the both sides of the tables right yeah. and typically from my experience being as the it manager or just the architect who is probably responsible for let's say the the technology and probably carry, carrying forward that vision, right? It's just harder because they don't have the complete vision. They have the translated vision. They might not be familiar with every single nuance of the business. So sometimes it's just harder for them to be able to create the business case. Sometimes the information does not even come to the IT department. So even if they create a business case, from their perspective, the business case is not going to be compelling enough because the executive's perspective is going to be completely different. They are not going to have time to share the intel that they have from the field to the IT people because they are not probably helping them as of today. So in my experience, there has been always this sort of barrier between the IT and the executive team. Do you share similar experiences, Ashish? Have you yeah. done anything to resolve this? Yeah, so what you're saying is I'm referring to ba back to like eight, 10 years back, right? I mean, where there was IT was the order taker and we, we, we were not involved in the strategic decisions and all that, right? Where strategic decisions were made with the strategy officer or CMO or CFO or CEO, absolutely, and the board. And, and we were given a direction around, hey, this is the, this is what we are supposed to do, build a whole IT strategy around it. But that phase is, uh, thank God, that, that that phase is changing now, right? I mean, in the last five, five to eight, five to six years, we have seen that technology leaders, CIOs, the head of the technology, is involved in the strategic decision. I mean, if there is if there, if a whole business model being altered, or we are taking over another company or splitting, right? There is a technique, technology angle, the discussion of how to make that, how to accelerate that process. What lessons have we learned from our past experience become our starting point, right? The template for that. So, so a lot of um, so involving the stakeholder, like we discussed last time, stakeholder involvement is very important. Understanding different stakeholders from the business unit and then keeping them engaged, right, as to what what each person's priority is, right, when when we are making these kind of decisions. So, I, yes, and I've seen both these scenarios: one where IT was never involved, but they were given a task to to run with, and if something fails, we're blamed for that, right? And and then now the situation is. IT is already assumed to be in that position. What difference do we make, 
what how do we how do we come up with the right solutions the right strategy and then drive it down to through through our teams right so everybody in our team knows what we are marching against right what so i i, I did not define the mvp last time right the most viable product that we're going to build and yeah. what is negotiable and what is not negotiable within the, when we do this everybody is clear about that then i think there is a good level of alignment rather than everybody going in different directions okay amazing so i am actually going to move to tom next so tom from your experience when somebody comes to you you know what you are willing to hear from them and what is going to be negotiable and what is not going to be negotiable and you sort of know if somebody tries to pitch probably within 30 minutes that you know what they are probably wasting my time so from your experience what do executives typically care for and what are some things that you look for when you feel that no i am actually going to connect with this person so i agree first off with what uh martin and ashish were both saying i think the the grasp of the business strategy and the critical business metrics or kpis how do the executives measure themselves and their operations how do they define success and failure i think is critically important and i i took from what ashish was saying a little bit uh, of the politics too it's one thing to understand how the business is run yeah. uh, and it's another thing to understand who are the real decision makers yeah. and where power lies so you may understand marketing and sales extremely well but if it's a product management engineering driven company you may be aligned with people who really ultimately won't make the call and so i think that's an interesting angle if you can get some insight into it certainly if you're on the inside like me of a company i do know where the power lies within varian who the decision makers will be under certain circumstances um and i can if i really like a solution i could be advising my consulting partners the people and solutions i would like to see implemented uh to to engage in a certain way uh focus on certain topics that i think will resonate with the right people i've also uh found to be pretty successful a couple of other things that i i just toss out here one again related to people uh is getting down a layer one of the things i find very powerful for my own decision making as an it executive and i find to be quite effective with the other executives in the companies i have been in as a part of the team and also the execs i've been selling to when i was a consultant but getting down to the next layer and getting some alignment with their team so if you're talking to the head of supply chain and you can persuade him or her that what you're selling makes a lot of sense that's great inevitably though they're going to consult with their team and they're going to ask them to do a further evaluation of whether this makes sense and holds water. So I I personally have tried in the past and even more recently in the present um to align with and engage with those people reporting into some of those key decision makers. Can can we get alignment with the procurement leader, with the manufacturing leader, with the logistics leader in some respect that they will be supportive uh, and recognize value in this initiative and they will be inevitably a sounding board for the supply chain leader and that will will be a very effective way of winning over the supply chain leader if they are a key decision maker for this particular initiative as an example so i think that's one thing another thing that i find personally very effective is baselining and benchmarking um when we talk about these KPIs and these metrics and how people are evaluating themselves all too often i found that the executive leaders don't always have a good handle on what their baseline is or certainly even more so what an appropriate benchmark should be what's achievable what's possible uh, they may have some anecdotal data but if you can bring to that to the table more rigorous information about what is possible you can actually change their thinking where they didn't perceive the opportunity for change to be as great as what you are now saying and suddenly the value of what you're selling and promoting is potentially much greater so i think uh bringing benchmarks or or perhaps reference cases can be powerful and alter the 
evaluation, the estimation of value. And um, I would say a third thing that I particularly, and I'll, and I'll leave it at this, is the practicality of the person I'm engaging with. Yeah. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, for example, when it comes to implementation, go live, and the question around disruption to the business and learning curve for the employees. When someone is actually engaging with me about these kinds of practical business matters, I think, okay, they really get it. It's not just about the technology. It's not just about some theoretical value that we can calculate and perhaps even agree on is possible. But you're actually saying from a practical point of view, I can get you from here to there without sinking the ship. And that starts to really engage people, I think. So those are some of the additional things, you know, the, the engaging with the next level team, getting them aligned, do, doing your homework if possible, and getting benchmarks, potentially references that support those benchmarks. Okay, some very interesting insights. And I am probably going to have one follow-up question uh, for you, Tom. And But before that, I want to reiterate some of the points that you mentioned, especially related to the benchmark and research. When you are researching, obviously, you need to know who, who you are talking to. Every executive in the organization is going to have very different sort of motivations just because they care for their departments. Their responsibility is probably going to be for their departments. So you need to make sure that you are actually talking their, their language. So you need to be researching on what they really care for. Yes, technology is great. Yes, IT is great. But you need to have really deep understanding of the business model. And I think that's where my follow-up question is going to be for you, that identifying power in a business is very difficult. It's not easy. So a lot of people think that, you know what, it's always going to be salespeople. That's not true, as, as you correctly pointed out. Because in some cases, in some organizations, if they are going to be very product-centric, very engineering-driven, very finance-driven, then maybe finance has the power. Maybe, so, so you really need to have very deep understanding of the business model. Yes, technology is Or great. sometimes you just need to ask the question. Exactly. You know, if you have a good contact, you know, like I have many good uh, partners, vendors uh, in, in the IT world who come knocking at the door and ask about the opportunity to do X, Y, Z. And I may even knock on their door um, and say, I would like to do X, Y, Z. Um, can you assist me with that? But however that transpires, they oftentimes don't ask. They'll just start working on an initiative, start preparing a proposal. And we haven't had the conversation, which I'd be happy to have about where where does power really lie? Who will the key decision makers be? So you're right. It's difficult as an outsider to have those insights. But I think people sometimes shy away from asking the question. And, and it's okay, I think, to ask. Exactly. So the next question I'm going to have for Bonnie. So Bonnie, obviously, when it comes to questions, I mean, you are expert of that. You have done, what, 1,000 interviews right now with different people. I'm pretty sure you are coming across very emotional people as well that, you know, they are going to feel, you know what, I had brilliant idea. Nobody really listened to me in the company. I ended up leaving the company just because nobody really cared for it. And I really wanted to change the company. I could not because nobody was really paying attention to how smart I was. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure you have seen, seen this. Okay, so when you, in your perspective, let's say, you know, if you were to define, how do executives think? What are some of the ways to really connect with them? Okay, really relate with them and really go down one level deeper, as Tom suggested, in really connecting with their interests, with their paycheck, with their career goals, with their amb ambitions, everything about them, not about you. Well, I have a couple of thoughts there. And yeah. I think... It's one thing to have a good idea and to talk in theoretical terms, like Tom mentioned, about how this will impact productivity or efficiency, and all of those are concepts. But I think what's more important is to have those big ideas, but be able to articulate your path to business value. So having a solid project blueprint. So what is the time involved? What is the potential cost? How many people need to be involved with this? Who does the team need to be? None of these projects happen in silos. And so are you able to get buy-in from the 
mid-management levels of your counterparts that need to be part and parcel to the project itself. And so I don't, I think that if you talk about things conceptually without the substance of how this will actually work and the, the actual time frame and cost and what are the resources involved, that project is, is not going to gain traction with, the, with your, your executive team. You know, I think the other thing, and all of my colleagues have mentioned, you know, you sell the business outcomes. Yep. Um, and what's possible. But I think it's also important to talk about the risk for not doing projects. Yep. Um, so all of these, you know, that we think about naturally are, um, you know, improvements to the business. On the other hand, there is a cost to the business for not doing projects and becoming a laggard competitively or losing employees because you don't have the right systems in place for engagement. You know, all, all of those risk factors need to also be part of your business plan that you present as well as what are the improvements, because I, I think everybody can look ahead, but in some ways, decisions are based, in some cases, on fear, and you really want to sort of help show what are the consequences for not making a decision or changing what we have in place, because that's just as important as is what are we going to gain. Yeah, so some very important points. And uh, as you mentioned, I think the articulation part is really important. The IT is a very uh, tricky job in my experience. You need to be a salesperson, even though you are selling a project, even though you are selling internally to your executives, but you need to be as sharp as a salesperson as they would uh, outside, right? So, and the other point that you mentioned is related to risk. And in my experience, I think that's also sort of an art when you talk about communicating these risks and typically when we look at the IT managers and the developers, they have tendency to, to communicate the risk in a way that it's going to frighten everybody out. Okay. So in my mind, I think the right way of communicating the risk is going to be the way doctors talk, the way they communicate. If you are going to tell me that, you know what, I am going to be hacked tomorrow because of cybersecurity issues, then I'm probably going to be calling security very soon that I don't feel comfortable with you right now in the room. <laughs> so in your experience, let's say, do you have any specific stories, Bonnie, that you might be able to share related to communicating the risk and the articulation aspect that you just mentioned that are, that is going to be super critical when you are talking about business outcome? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many examples of, you know, in the last couple of years of projects that didn't get done before the pandemic because, um, you know, good enough to limp along was working. You know, it was, if it's not broken, don't fix it type of attitude, particularly with legacy systems, you know, on-premise, you know, highly customized, again, on-premise systems that don't allow for scalability, didn't allow for a, um, you know, distributed workforce and things like that. Well, when the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, there was like a mad dash to figure out how do we get employees productive working, you know, virtually. The heroes in these situations were ones that had a, a digital footprint when it came to employee work and were able to have a distributed workforce like overnight. And those were the ones who had cloud-based systems that could, you know, quickly accommodate for a brand new environment overnight. And I think uh, the, the risk and so many of the companies that paid for it were the ones that took six months to be able to get their employees productive in, a, you know, the time frame when everything went, went virtual. The other thing, restaurants, another great example of this. So in terms of online ordering and things like that, the Restaurants and the retailers who could easily get their businesses, you know, available to customers for delivery and online ordering were the ones who weathered the storm, the ones who had a solely brick and mortar environment or couldn't figure out in a timely fashion how to get that online order process were the ones that really suffered. So I would say the pandemic sort of put a light on who had their act together in this digital environment and certainly accelerated a ton of projects 
for those who who were laggards. Okay, some very amazing points. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And and Martin, I'm actually going to move to you next. Uh, let's say if we talk about pitching to different executives, we all know that they understand different language, they have different motivations, they have different interests. But when it comes to really creating a pitch aligned to each of the executives, it's easier said than done, okay? So I don't know if you are going to have any specific stories because typically if you actually tell me these stories, the way you know it was best to you or maybe it was not best to you or somebody else in your experience, so if you can provide any specific examples where the pitch could have been better, then the listeners may be able to relate. Okay, this is how I am supposed to be pitching. I should not be highlighting, let's say, if I'm talking to my CFO and if I am going to be talking about sales, it's probably a terrible idea because they don't care for it. They care for something else. So in your experience, do you have any specific stories in terms of how to tailor pitches to different departments, to different executives when you talk to them? I got a, a great example which runs over a number of years, and it, it's uh, related to a, a, an in, industrial company, and it was about replacing an aging ERP system. Uh, they had a 1990s ERP system, and it, it needed to be replaced. And the 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 pitch wasn't a pitch as in such in terms of just one pitch. It was yeah. discussions over time that took place with senior executives and the technology group. And yeah, it started, well, we need to replace it because it's getting end of life. That got nowhere because it, it didn't have the business side to it. So, so it failed from the aspect of not really having the business triggers there. Uh, they tried on the, yeah, that was kind of trying to uh, uh, accentuate the risk aspects that was really just on its own. They tried again saying, well, yeah, the efficiency of the business is being held back because of this old system. So that kind of started to get a bit more interest, but didn't get it across the line. And, and they carried on like this a number of times, it, trying different aspects. And they, what, what they finally got it across the line was when they started listening more to the, the execs and the pain points, so exactly what the others have said, what pain points are the execs currently feeling and how can we help those pain points? And it turned out that there was a, a pain point around traceability. There'd been quite a lot of aspects of uh, traceability on foodstuffs, you know, such as salmonella and other things like this, and the need for traceability. And it turned out by focusing on some of the kind of current hot, hot spots that they managed to get it across the line by saying, if we upgrade, the new system will give us greater traceability of our products. So that the worry beads that were in the minds of the executives, they could help deal with that. So it's kind of an, an example of trying it from different angles and failing. And then finally, kind of hitting on that real problem area that the whole executive team or a large amount of the executive team were really worried about. So some a great story, by the way. I mean, you know, uh, but when we talk to different executives, in my experience, let's say if I'm talking to, so in this particular case, when you're talking about efficiency, obviously, let's say if I'm talking to CFO, they are going to care for efficiency, but the pitch needs to be slightly different. Let's say if I'm talking to my sales leader versus marketing leader versus my CFO versus my, you know, procurement leader, they have very different drivers. Okay, so even though traceability and the efficiencies, they all are probably going to care for that. But when you are pitching for them, you still need to align with their KPIs, the kind of, you know, KPIs they care for. So do you have uh, any twists in the story when you were, let's say, the similar story, let's say, for this pitch to somebody else in the executive team, how it would be different? Well, I think one of the key things to think about there was the efficiency one yeah, does yeah. talk to uh, the CFO, as you said, and things like that. But the trouble is being an ERP system, being something as massive as that, big cost, massive disruption to the business and things like that, giving a bit of efficiency isn't really going to get you over uh, yeah, that massive cost and massive amount of time required. And, and I think it was, it was a good lever, but not a strong enough lever. So I think you have to kind of look at all the aspects together. So when you found that kind of the, the final really good thing to hit on, that, that and then layer it on top of the other things, and by the way, you're getting this and this and this as well. So sometimes, depending on, you know, if it's something really big like that, you need to you know, kind of become well-armed with a lot of different ways of tackling things. And it was yeah, an accumulation of the different things in the end of the day. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Martin. So Ashish, I'm actually going to move to you. So let's say if I am 
going to my sales leader and I am super passionate about ERP and I am talking about ERP probably for five minutes and my sales leader is going to say, you know what, I didn't care, care for ERP. Okay, go and talk to your finance, go probably talk to your operations. Don't talk to me about ERP because I am actually trying to meet my numbers. So when you talk to these different leaders, they care for different things. So do you have any specific stories about the pitching to different executives uh, that you might be able to share? So uh, if you pick ERP, I, I don't think ERP has to be sold because ERP is such a large scale in, in the enterprise, right? Most of your crown jewels will be held in an ERP, right? I mean, your manufacturing, your uh, your procurement cycles, your auto management, uh, finance, obviously at the center of it. So uh, it, it, uh, it I think uh, it won't be a uh, it won't be a big sell. I mean, everybody will be convinced that the existing uh, archaic system is having issues, right? We are not we don't have the nimbleness to 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 bring in or roll out new products. Or you will see the cracks, right? I mean, the technical decks that will be such that you're you're either at the on the verge of you know, expanding your licenses, right? Which to an of an older system, which is not giving you any any good results, right? So there, so we'll have to collect data. I mean, when we do the as is picture, right? We we will collect all these bigger buckets of pain points, right? Infrastructure, if it's an aging infrastructure, right? I mean, if you are on a data center and the cost of the data center and and you know everything associated with the HVAC and all that, I'm I'm talking from my six, seven years uh, back when we are, we were doing this, right? I mean, we were uh, taking on, um, uh, you know, disparate ERPs. I mean, a lot of acquisitions, each acquisition came with its own ERP, right? And so we had QAD, we had JD Edwards, we are older version of SAP. Uh, and now uh, we, we, have, we have set out this 2025 vision of whatever that $10 billion. Uh, so how do we each, how each function meets that, right? I mean, so one of these, one of the angle that technology, the, the CIO also was taking is we have a, we have a, we have a old system. We have a, we have, we have really uh, redundant uh, functionality across the, we have silos in the reporting area. All that had to be kind of brought into a story with, with the, with keeping those big objectives as to, Okay, we have to meet 2020, 2020, uh, you know, 2030 or 2025 mission. These are the big drivers. Like, if, if we need to have a consolidated uh, reporting across the enterprise, corporate reporting across the global enterprise, if we if we want to uh, have visibility in your supply chain, right? Because within your manufacturing, all the way to the to the distribution cycle, across your value chain with the external partners also, with the supplier hubs and and your you know and your transportation all that. That's not going to be possible with the existing system. We showed that very clearly in our, in our as is picture that there are so many st pipes going on across and just a, you know, a, a typical metrics that you have to build for the, for the board or the executives, you have to go through so many hoops and it takes about five, five to seven days to get that corporate level metrics across the globe. Uh, by the time the report has come out, it's already stale. Right. So that those we actually started walking them through the journey. Right. And uh, started showing the actual results. It's not like we, we were we took out outputs from the system, showed that the closing takes five days. Right. The, the corporate uh, monthly closing for the finance team takes five days. The spend analytics were nowhere. I mean, everybody was using on, you know, older data or gut feeling that hey, I think we should do this. Marketing and sales obviously had their own, uh, what do you call, IT shadows, right? I mean, uh, shadow ITs and all that. So they had their own systems, right? They, they were driving their own. So everything was disparate. So in that scenario, a common, you know, uh, overarching ERP system, which will bring these, at least the, the crown jewels that we talk, I talked about earlier, the main systems on, on a one consistent platform, right? As a, as a, as a foundation. And then we start layering in the analytics piece. We start uh, now. We're talking about bringing in AI and ML on that on that same, but consolidating that and and bringing our external partners also along that journey. Right, we're communicating with them, recertifying some of the EDI suppliers and all that. Th that story was built alongside with what the business wanted. Like I'm, I'm harping what I said earlier was it, it, it was not a standalone IT story or it wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't telling long stories about what the technology can do. The technology was ambient. In, in this case, it was completely abstracted saying you will get this result, right? Or the 
uh, the mobile enablement of uh, approving invoices above certain amounts will be given to the executives. Right? So they'll, it will be on their phone and they don't have to log on to the SAP system. It will come in as an email. They look at the invoice, approve it, and the workflow continues. Right. So that 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 is the language we use, the language which the business understood. And, yeah. uh, you know, they could talk to us in that term. Same thing in reporting. Also, there were 1500 reports all across the globe. So how to consolidate them, which are local, which are global. Right. So that that whole rationalization of applications and reporting is where we, we said we put our bets in saying as a part of that modernization. Okay, amazing insights there. Thank you so much, Ashish. So Tom, I'm actually going to move to you next. So obviously you have figured out the art of breaking the power, uh, you know, inside the organization as per your previous comment. But as, as you know, when you are looking at these power players inside the organization, they are super sharp people. They are just brilliant people. I mean, they have like uh, attention span of 10 seconds. And if you're not telling the story that is going to resonate with them, obviously they are going to you know shut them shut you out because they have so many different things that they are um, you know going to be working so when you are actually pitching to different power players as you as you correctly pointed out in your previous comments that when you work with different organizations the, the different departments are going to have have power in some cases it is going to be procurement that is going to have a lot more power than let's say finance in other cases it's probably going to be finance in many other cases it's probably going to be sales or marketing so when you talk to these power players, okay, if they are going to be from different departments, how do you tailor the pitch so that you are going to get their attention within 10 seconds? Within 10 seconds. Exactly, sir. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty tall order uh, if, if, if one is really serious. But I'm, I'm not sure it's a different answer than some of the things we've heard before. Actually, Speaking to maybe the one or two big business benefits and opportunities that are potentially achievable. Um, I'll give you an example. So we had at Varian uh, not too long ago, starting to get to be quite a while ago, seven years ago or so, a uh, CRM implementation. It was a big program. All of sales, all of service globally was going to be impacted and, and the tentacles went well beyond that. And in talking to sales and service people, their interests we knew were around efficiency and productivity. The existing applications that were used by those constituencies, they were very unhappy with. They felt that they were very unproductive. And so we said, we believe based upon homework we had done, uh, the IT team had done in this case, uh, with uh, Salesforce, we, and we weren't on Salesforce at the time. We said we, we believe we can uh, achieve a 50% reduction in the transactions performed by human beings, either through streamlining of the process or automation of many of the steps. Now, we're going to set as a target productivity at a level of 50% for the organization. That you know, had people sitting up saying, is that really possible? And, and it is. I mean, it was from certainly our starting point. Maybe, maybe some people are at a better starting point, of course. But I think when you can call out something as simple as of interest to your listener as that, in, in 10 seconds, you, you will have somebody who wants to hear more. Okay, now uh, you got my attention. Tell me how you really believe that's possible. So, but, but I think it still goes back to understanding what are some of those metrics or measures like productivity that, and for those, those, those leaders and their teams, what are the real pain points that they are desperate to address? If you can put your finger on that and then can tell a very simple story like the degree of potential productivity that we could, we could achieve if we do this right, I think you you can very quickly get an audience or or another round to uh, dive deeper. Okay, some amazing points. Thank you so much, Tom and Bonnie. Uh, I'm actually going to move to you next. And when I talk about 10 seconds, Martin and uh, and Tom were laughing. And these are the guys, you know, who are not actually picking my call, to be honest. And when I cold call for living, and you know, within 10 seconds, they actually wanted. <laughs> me to get their attention so you have been a salesperson you have been a marketer and you know that first 10 seconds matter and the pitch needs to be aligned with the person's interest good salespeople, good marketing people they are really 
good at understanding what this person is going to care for. They go inside their head to be able to find out what this guy is thinking, and that's what they deliver in the first 10 seconds. So from your experience, do you have any specific stories of the pitches that you have seen working, how to deliver it to procurement person, to the finance person, or maybe when you are talking to, let's say, sales or marketing person, how the pitch is going to be different? So I would I would say you need a little bit more than 10 seconds. I would call it an, an elevator pitch, right? So let's call it 30. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you get 30 seconds, I, I think... The ability for you to communicate something with a lot of passion behind it, because the executives don't want just more ideas or more work for somebody else. And I think whenever you're pitching a prob, uh, you know, a, a project like this, you are almost raising your hand, like I want to lead it at the same time. And if you're pitching it to an executive as, okay, well, here's the idea, and then I want my colleague Joe to go run this, that's not going to work either. So I think you need to communicate that pitch in such a way that shows that you personally are going to be committed to its success. That's a big piece of it, number one. Number two, um, I think your pitch needs to have demonstrated that you're a good listener. So being able to, as you mentioned before, articulate what's important to the business, how this ties back to specific initiatives that are already going on and how how this project is going to help move the needle in regards to that. I think those two pieces are, are critical. Number one, your delivery and you as a person and your commitment. And then secondly, how does this tie? Have you listened? Do you truly understand what the problem is that you're about to solve? Um, I would say those two things are, are important in that in that 30 second pitch. And then once you get there, once you get their mind share and they are willing to listen, that's when you need to bring your substance in to say, not only do I, you know, is this what I've thought about and my my concept here, but here's the plan itself. Here's what's going to take. And, and here's why, you know, I want to lead this initiative. Yes, guys. So I think the only thing we can take right now is going to be the closing advice. So maybe you guys can take uh, the minute and tell us, you know, what advice you are going to have for IT managers and the developers who really are passionate, they really care for the organization. But to go from your point A to point B, you really need to nail down that business case. And if you are not able to build that business case, Obviously, your pitch is not going to be effective because your pitch is really going to be the byproduct of your understanding of the business model, your deep understanding of the business case, and then figure out how to segment this business case as per the person that you are targeting. So, Martin, I'm actually going to start with you. What is your closing advice? Okay, well, there's a lot of good things that have come out there. You've said a lot of good things. You just summarized some really good things. So I'm going to go off the wall with my advice. I'm going to say... If you're going to be pitching to executives, you should be doing two things. One, you should get some practice on public speaking. <laughs> Go and volunteer to present at a conference or something yeah. like that. So you're more polished and capable in presenting. I'd suggest that. And secondly, go study organizational change management. Because change management is, as a CIO, I actually joke a lot of time. I spend more time doing organizational change management than I do doing technology. So go study organizational change management. One of the key concepts in there is what's in it for me. You think about that when you're looking at the executive. So there you go. Two takeaways uh, slightly off the wall. Yeah, amazing. And I always tell people that they should be going to Toastmasters, to be honest. And I am shocked by the commitment of some of the mentors there, to be honest, for free. In my mind, I think they should be charging the fee because the kind of service they provide, it's just phenomenal. I have probably done it but i'm not sure if i would do it again for for free uh, because of the time but seriously i mean postmasters is a great place for everybody to go especially it managers and the developers thank you so much uh, martin for that ashish what is your closing yeah. advice so just to build up upon what martin said is yeah if you're pitching for a business case right i mean it's an assumption that you know the business the functions and uh, and the operations of the business pretty well because you're, you're, whatever you're going to pitch is going to make a difference. Either it is going to 
disrupt. It's going to bring in something new. So you have to get that part of the story really, really right, right? And obviously, you'll have to have a detailed plan and a strategy to back that up, which your team will follow. So what you'll present is, is like what Bonnie was saying. It should show what is it, how is going to move the needle, like where we are right now and what's difference it's going to bring, and then how do you back it up by? So I would even put in. The, the return on investment in, in terms that the CFO could agree that if we do this project, this is the outcome we are looking for. I mean, this is how we will measure success, right? To show that it clearly set that up front. So there is no, there's it's crystal clarity. And then, uh, you know, there's buy-in from every, everyone so that you justify that investment. Yep, I completely agree. And the only thing I would like to add there is don't get disappointed just because, you know, you are getting turned down. Figure out why they turn you down. And will the stronger pitch go again, try it one more time, or maybe thousand times. It doesn't hurt. Keep trying <laughs> until you perfect it. So thank you so much, Ashish, for that. Tom, what is your closing advice? Uh, yeah, a lot of good things have been said. I, I you know, I, I would echo what you and Martin and, and even earlier Bonnie had said about um, being articulate. I'm not sure Bonnie meant it, it quite in the way that, that Martin was saying, but, but I think it, 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 it's, it's exactly right. Anyone who speaks clearly, chooses their words well and carefully, and to Bonnie's other point, speaks on these topics with passion, can be persuasive, can be convincing. And I think that is half the battle. It is, you win a lot on style. That's not the the whole game, of course. You're not trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, but you are trying to get their attention, as you were saying, Sam, and you're trying to persuade. And being articulate and being passionate, I think, are critical elements in that game. And the other thing that I think is, you know, I'd echo, I'd echo my, my earlier comments about getting as deep into the organization as you can to get other stakeholders and other individuals aligned to the extent that you can marshal more than yourself as a supporter of this initiative and you're one-on-one -on -one trying to convince an executive or one-on-many trying to convince multiple executives, you want to marshal some troops yourself that are advocates for the initiative that you're promoting. So I, I again, would, would hearken back to that and say, organize your own little army to the extent that you can and, and bring that to the table, not necessarily the people, but, but the work that you've done to and, 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 you know, point that out. Your, your own people are supportive of X, Y, and Z in procurement, in manufacturing, in such as I've spoken to these people. So yes, I'm trying to persuade the stakeholder, the owner, the decision maker, but recognize they have a team too. They look to their team. Could not agree more. Thanks for the advice, Tom. Uh, Bunny, what is your closing advice? So I would echo what Tom just said and your executive that you're pitching if you can't sell him, there's no way you're going to be able to sell the rest of the organization. So they're looking for that. And they're looking to say, is the rest of the organization going to be receptive to this person and what they just pitched to me? And um, but, but my, my overarching um, advice would be to not go it alone. You don't want to go in as a, a lone wolf. You want to have your team assembled ahead of time. And you want to make sure that the A-team, right? So you want to make sure that they're going to be as committed to the project as you are and that they're going to stay with it and long enough to see it see it out and see it success. Because it's not going to help you to have, um, you know, a couple of people that are saying, hey, this is a great idea that, you know, all of a sudden uh, go do something else as soon as you get handed the project. So you want to make sure that you have your team in place ahead of time and that they're going to stick with you through the duration of the project. Okay, awesome advice. Thank you so much for joining, guys. Have a good thank one. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Yes. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Martin Davis, head over to dunelmassociates.com. It's D U N E L. M A S S O C I A T E S dot com. If you want to learn more about Bonnie Tinder, head over to ravenintel.com. It's R A V E N I N T E L dot com.
If you want to learn more about Tom Rodden, head over to varian.com. It's V-A-R-I-A-N.com. If you want to learn more about Ashish Parolekar, follow and connect with him on LinkedIn. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Tim Morden, who describes the role of sponsors in a digital transformation project and why it is crucial. Also, the interview with Pam Fox Rollin, who discusses how to drive cross-functional clarity in a siloed organization. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you, and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.